Welcome everyone to the L7C Podcast MMA Edition. Today we got a special episode for you guys. We're going to be talking the return of John Jones at the last UFC event. We're also going to be talking about my guy Kamar Usman in the next UFC event. We got a lot going, talking 285 and 286. We got the MMA expert, Mr. Chuck Marlowe. How are you doing today, sir? Doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Martin? Good, good, man, Chuck. UFC 285 just concluded about a week ago, and we're already getting ready for 286. I've been, I feel like these were super close. I don't think I remember big UFC events being this close before. Booked it up this year. He has packed everything back to back to back. The only thing with that, I will say, is there probably will be a little bit of a layoff period where it's not going to be as eventful, but mm-hmm. I hope and I look forward to him just packing some more in and Get some more fights going. All right. Chuck, let's go. Let's get right into it, man. 285. Uh, just quickly on some prelim stuff. Were there any prelim matches that you were like shocked to won? Were you excited? Like, what prelim matches caught your eye? I'm not even going to necessarily say shocked, but I mean, this card was honestly loaded. I watched this thing from the start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you see my parlays, you see my bets. Most of like I, I wasn't surprised by who won because I got I think what seven out of nine right. Um, mm-hmm. Shabanko was an upset. No one probably really expected. So really, I feel like eight out of nine. But what you know? Okay, mm-hmm. we'll take it that way. Tabitha Ricci, she did her thing. I had her winning by decision. She got that uh, submission done with two fourteen left into the second. Messed up one of my parlays. I could have won four k, but you know I'm not mad. Um. One of the good fights, this fight was kind of interesting, caught my eye. Cameron uh, Simon and Mana Martinez, the South African uh, Cameron uh, Simon. It, that fight was very interesting fight just because all of the kick to the groin mm-hmm. um, and all the, the points he got taken off and he still won. He had like two points taken off and he still won. You don't understand, like if you lose a point and you're like, fights are close, 10-9, 10-9 rounds, you know. Like, and that's usually how they're always scored. So for him to win after getting points, two points taken away from each round, that was pretty dominating and pretty interesting. Um, Ian Machado Gary getting the big shout out from his boy, Conor McGregor, one of the other Irish standouts coming up in this thing. Um, Who showed up at the press? He was there. Conor was there. Yeah. Conor, that's his man. Ian Machado Gary is his guy, and he is back in this man. And um, without. Like, there's no doubt why he's backing him up. I mean, dude showed his hands. He let the things loose near the end of that. He uh, messed Mr. Song up. Yeah, I I like what I'm seeing from the kid. Let's get him off the prelims and start getting him on some main cards probably here soon. Because he, um, was, he wasn't even on the prelims. He was on the early prelims. Yeah, he was on the early prelims. And I'm looking for him. I'm ready for him to get off of those because uh, the kid has showed some real promise uh, as of late. So we can see what he'll do next. Um, moving up into like the prelims, Derek Brunson, uh, Derek Brunson, and um, Driscus Duplessis. Uh, that was a real like that was just that was like a fan favorite fight right there. Two guys who are just going to go right out into the gate and just swing. I saw this coming along like a mile away. Derek Brunson, he's getting up there in age. He's at like thirty nine. He just didn't have it in his tank. I don't know I, what really pisses me off about Derek Brunson. He fights a fight to lose. He just goes in there and he's just swinging. And like, you don't have a, like, this is my thing. Either train better cardio if you're going to go out there and put out a, a high level of input like that, or either just go out there and 
fight more tactical, fight more skillful. Don't just go out there and empty your tank and then be sitting there like gassed out. And just his corner had to throw in the towel because he just couldn't like get up. He was just gassed out and he was getting too bombed on by Driscus. Like Driscus, I understand he's going to do that. He's going to come out of the gate. He's going to push a high tempo. He's going to fight gas. He fights kind of stupid too, which I hate about him as well. But he can do it and actually keep pushing that cardio tank and digging deeper. Moving up into the bantamweight, you got Cody Garbrandt and Trevin Jones. Um, that was one of the fights Ohio I was kid. really looking forward to. Yes, sir, Mr. Cody. I was looking forward to a knockout, but uh, Trevin Jones really kind of showed he wasn't like he wasn't completely out of touch. Um, I think that was a pretty close fight. It wasn't super close. Like Cody definitely won, but like I feel like Trevin definitely um, showcased a few things. I feel like the uh, like when you look at the total strikes. It was like 33 to 30. Um, mm -hmm. Cody just had the two takedowns, which kind of helped him. And he had the more significant strikes with like 26 to 20. So that, I think that's what really did it. It was a pretty close fight when you look at the fighter odds of both of them winning. So um, that was really good. Um, Bo Nickel and Jamie Pickett. So this is why I kind of Going up to the main bit. card. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was playing a little bit of Call of Duty. I was sleeping a little bit right here on this one. But I knew what was going to happen. I... I kind of already knew what was going to go into this. Bo Nickel, I mean, dude is a dog. He's finally showed up. He's here. I um, mean, he's here to stay. Um, he got the win, pulled it out, and just got his submission. I think I had him by submission on my uh, parlay, too. So, no shocker there. Now, the fight that got me was Gomrot and Jalen Turner. Yeah. Um, so, on my one, I had Jalen Turner winning. I mean, I think Jalen Turner's a really high-level fighter. I think he has a lot of length right there in that lightweight division. I mean, dude's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, got like 80-something reach. Mm -hmm. And in that division, that is very great length, and that's going to separate yourselves from the, your opponents. And he can use that length. I don't think he used that length too well in this fight. I think he could have used it even better. I mean, but if you look at the total strikes, it was 89-62 to 62 in favor of Gamra. So, um, and he had four takedowns, and he... That, that that just that's where it kind of favored him. But if you look at the significant strikes, it was forty to twenty nine in favor of Turner, and he had one knockdown on Gomrot. So that kind of factored into it too. But I feel like Gomrot really kind of pulled it out in the end, just because of uh, takedowns and takedowns are something they they judge heavy if you get some ground control time. Um, How do you moving, like? Because that match that met, that went all the way because the decision was split. Like yeah, so. That's, that's the thing, though. You never really want to leave it up to the judges. That's something mm -hmm. that I feel like most fighters, they you obviously don't want to go balls to the wall aiming for a knockout, like putting everything out there for a knockout. But you ultimately don't want to leave it in the decision of the judges. We've seen time and time again, judges just stink. They suck. I mean, mm -hmm. they mess up, and they don't always get things right. I'm not saying judges got it wrong in this case. I feel like you could have really tossed it up either way. I feel like it was more in favor of Gamra, and I feel like he did more to end up winning. But, you know, you could also argue for Turner, too, if that's who you were rooting for. I think I have a little bias going into it, too, so that can also factor into it. That's the thing when you're looking at these fights. You have to look at it without bias. Once you look at it without bias, you can see who the clear winners really are. And I feel like a lot of fans usually, when they get angry at judges and stuff, they're looking at this with some sort of biasness. Agreed. Agreed. Then you go up to the yes, sir. next fight, Jeff. Jeff Neal. How did you feel about this one? This one went three so rounds. 
it did go three rounds. It it went further than what we thought. Jeff Neal uh, missed weight by I think four pounds. Kind of just seemed uninterested in like I mean he was just super into himself in the fighter uh, build up and hype up for this. Um, but Shavkat, oh my gosh, he showed up. I had him winning by submission too. Um, man, I'm happy he's finally up here on the main card and he's got to showcase his, what he has in him. Um, I mean, he had 120 total strikes to his, what, 69, I think. Um, and he landed 65% of his strikes compared to his 48. Um, he had 113 six significant strikes to his 69 significant strikes. And he had the submission attempt, which ultimately got him the win. Um, he showed his skill. He showed that he's a fighter and he's ready to uh, put some uh, heights on in that welterweight division and see what he can do. Um, hopefully, eventually, he'll get something up in the rankings. Uh, he'll move up a little bit more, and we'll see what he can do next against some maybe even higher level opponent than Jeff Neal. I'm not saying Jeff Neal's not great, but I think there's uh, definitely better fighters in that welterweight division. Shavkat to test his uh, vessel against. So, Chuck, man, besides, obviously, John Jones, he was the main event and all this stuff, but I feel like this was, if not as big or bigger story, because what the hell happened here with Valentina and Alexa? They were even, I saw some of the odds. This was one of the biggest upsets women-wise in a very, very long time. Like, what happened? Biggest upset since Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at the fights like Holly Holmes and mm -hmm. uh, Ronda Rousey. Cyborg and Amanda wasn't really an upset, but most people thought Cyborg was unstoppable and Amanda mm -hmm. breaks off of her. Um, you know, it's fighting. This is the fight game. Mm -hmm. This is what people come to see. This is what I love about MMA is the underdog. People that people just count out, you know, there's it's like, oh, Shevanko has this title run. Oh, Shevanko's this, Shevanko's that, Shevanko dominate she's going to dominate this whole fight she's going to win no problem game over this is too easy she got this in the bag alexa said nope viva la mexico you know they got a what two championship holders now brandon moreno and her both fighting out of the same camp too oh yeah they're they're live in mexico right now um, when you were watching that fight when at when at what point did you think oh Valentina actually is in trouble. When did you figure that out? When I was looking at the striking, I mean, yes, when you look at the striking, you would say Chibanko landed, what, 73% of her punches, mm -hmm. but she only threw 228. Alexa had volume because she's more of a boxer striker. I mean, she can she can throw the hands. I mean, but she obviously, she obviously showcased that she can she can grapple and she can wrestle too a little bit, but I don't, I don't think she had the advantage when it comes to wrestling because you look at Valentina, she had four takedowns out yep. of six, I think 67% uh, completion on that. And so she didn't really have the grappling two down, but she also had it to where she knew where to take advantage of her opponent. If she turned her back, what she did, she missed that kick. And Alexa said, I'm a spider monkey. I'm jumping on this right now. And she sank that bitch in and she choked her out. I mean, I love it. I, once she once she missed that kick, I was like, "Ooh, she's either going to counter with something big, but she jumped on that back and she said, look, this is my opportunity. And she squeezed. I don't know if you saw the picture mm -hmm. or the graphic of once she lets her arm off, but there is her face was red. You see the little white line where her arm was just choking her ass out. Like Alexa, uh, 
I think she has some stuff, some stuff to definitely work on in the grappling and the wrestling department. But she showed what she guys as a striker. She had a hyper um, output. So w- with them now, obviously, because there's a new champ, do you go? Do you have the new champ test yourself against someone else before a rematch? Or you go right into a rematch. rematch. Okay. We need a rematch. I mean, we've seen this time and time again now at this point. Dana likes building up stuff. He like he knows this is going to sell now. He knows this is going to sell. Ooh, an upset. Sell it. Book it. This is definitely going to happen probably three or four months from now. Uh, maybe a little bit longer. I don't think either of these fighters are nursing two major of injuries. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a fight where they really walked away like banged up, banged up. So... I look forward to them fighting here again real soon here in the near future. Um, I, I don't know. I think Shevanko was kind of winning. I don't think she was winning dominantly. I think she was up like maybe, I don't know. I don't know really, if you want to look at it round by round breakdown. I say you give um, round one to Grasso for sure. If you look at the striking, the output, she just had landed more strikes. I don't think mm-hmm. she landed a higher percentage, but she just landed more strikes. Round two, I think you definitely give to Valentina. She had the ground control time, two or two on takedown. She had her on the ground. Um, round three, you go back and you look at it. I'd say you can really kind of give that one a toss-up, but I'm thinking more because you have the ground control time and the two takedowns from uh, Shevanko, but you also had the striking output that um, Alexa had, which was like 70 to 53. So I, you can go either way with that, but um, I'd say maybe potentially you can give that to Alexa. And then you look at the round uh, four, it was kind of working in favor of um, Valentina a little bit, but she missed that kick. And then, boom, she jumped on like a spider monkey and sank it in, and she walked away with the champion tonight. Chuck, I've, I've had this conversation with other people in the um, L7C, specifically Dragon Ball expert Mitch, and we... We talked about UFC and want to get your opinion on this too. I, I feel like because we talk about the betting, because I followed one of your parlays, and this was the only loss we had. This one. I, I feel like combat sports is the hardest thing to bet on because someone can be put to sleep at any second. What are your thoughts? I 100% agree. Because if you go into a fight like something we're going to be talking about later, mm-hmm. you, you, you're like, oh man, I got. This dude is winning. This dude is going to win. Without a doubt, he's going to win. He's going to dominate. He's going to dominate. Oh, he's dominating. You might even do a live bet. That's mm-hmm. what really can get you. You do a live bet. Oh, man, yeah, he's whooping his ass. He's whooping his He's up four rounds. This is the fifth round. He can coast. I'm going to put all my money on him. I'm going to put all my money on him just to see if I can make a little bit of extra. I put. A, you got some people who are rich enough. I'll put a million dollars on him since he's up so, so much. And that way I know he'll win the fight. Boom, you lose a million dollars because one uppercut puts some sleep. Mm-hmm. It's painful, like, man. It's painful. It's just, it can happen. You make one mistake. And like in this case, she made a mistake. She missed the kick. She, you, it's just if your opponent exploits that mistake. Now you have some fighters that aren't that high level. You might miss a kick like that against someone else who's a lower level fighter. They're not going to jump on your back and they're not going to sink that in. They're not going to think to do that. They're just going to be like, oh, okay, whew, I dodged one. Let's reset. Let me see how I'm going to be able to get it and attack next. So you have some people who comes in with nerves also when that kick misses. They're like, oh, man, all right, I got to start panicking a little bit. Like, oh, man, that could have been something big. Maybe you get slept because you're thinking about that kick too much. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different aspects that go into it. 
And I mean, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the hardest sports to bet on because anything can happen. I mean, shoot, shoot zero game could have won. Zero game could have probably maybe threw an uppercut or something and caught John. I mean, it's heavyweights. Heavyweights hit hard. Mm-hmm. He could have just caught him and he could have won and be like, oh man, that John Jones goat debate is not up for discussion anymore. Only thing is, John is just a high level fighter. Yeah, and since we're talking about it, let's go right to it. Uh, main event, obviously, the buzz. John Jones hasn't fought in three years. I mean, even I was caught in the. I was watching all the blogs on the UFC channel, watching everything, telling you I'm watching while watching both their journeys. And the last time the L7C we talked about John was that incident he had with the mother of his children, and we're like, I, I don't even know if this guy's ever going to come back. He came back. It looked very interesting in the arena. Yeah. That was something. Came back as a challenger. Before we get to there, the weigh-in. That was the first time we got to see John Jones, heavyweight, no shirt on, doing the weigh-in, all that stuff. When you first saw the weigh-in on the Friday in the press conference, what were your thoughts? I thought his genetics. I mean, have you seen his brother Chandler Jones? And uh, mm-hmm. I can't think of the other one, offensive lineman, Super Bowl champion. But... Yeah, their genetics aren't great for legs. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at John Jones' legs, his calves are skinny as hell. His upper leg thigh is like kind of meaty, but not like super meaty. But then that upper torso was carrying all the weight. The weight's not distributed correctly. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's pretty damn strong legs. We've seen him kick before. Yeah. Um, I saw the memes on Twitter. Fat Jones, Fat John Jones. It's the first time people bones, saw him in three years. Bones. Yeah, and I mean. I mean, you got to think, it's three years. John Jones also isn't young. I mean, he's not 19-year-old, 21-year-old John Jones just now winning world championship. Like, he's not baby-faced John Jones no more. He's a grown-ass man with gray hair. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's aged a little bit. But he'd also show that he's also aged in the ring where he's still a high-level fighter and he's matured and he's grasped even further his knowledge, even further than what he already has. I mean... We didn't really get to see too much because he didn't have enough time to because he got it done so quick. But, um, yeah, no, I've seen him on that scale. I mean, he put on the weight good. I mean, he did a lot of weightlifting. I don't think he got shredded like everyone thought he was going. I think people were looking for him to show up looking like Francis Ngannou or something or like mm-hmm. Cyril Gann. They wanted him to match the what he was fighting. But, I mean, not everyone puts on weight the same. Correct. And not everybody looks the same like when they bulk up. So Correct. I think he did his job. He did what he needed to do. He put the weight on, and he felt confident and happy with what he had. I feel like he looked a little bit slow, like in the pre-fight uh, interviews and the uh, videos that they put, the UFC embeddeds that they put on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I still think he'll, with time, it's going to grow on him. You got to get used to putting that weight on. I mean, at one, at one point, I was weighing 225. I wasn't used to putting weighing that much. I wasn't like moving the same way that I was before. So, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy being away. I walk around at 185 comfortably putting on 40 pounds or even putting on like 20 plus pounds. I mean, that's, that's different. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. So he came in odds favorite too. And this is his first heavyweight bout. And it's not even just his first one. It's for the title. And Chuck, just unbelievably round one, two minutes, four seconds. Submission. He submissions Ghana and John Jones wins his first UFC heavyweight fight and is now the champion. He's the UFC heavyweight champion in his first fight. 
when he finished it off after not even fighting for three years, Chuck, what was your reaction? I was surprised. I mean, I was shocked. Even I know who John Jones is. Mm-hmm. I watched John Jones my whole life. He's one of the reasons I love MMA so damn much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still surprised. I mean, no one expected that. No one expected it to be that quick. No one expected Cyril to just get pummeled the way he did. Yes. I mean, it like, and then also, I think it was just the form of the choke. It was that same kind of choke almost as he did with Leota Machida when Leota Machida dropped, but he was more just in a position that we see Khabib in a lot where he just has him up against the cage, leg locks kind of going so that way he can't maneuver and move, started getting the choke in. But you got to think, Jones has really long, like, arms that he can maneuver really well, which we've seen multiple times, and he just sank that choke in. And that's why everybody was like, why does this look uncomfortable? Oh, shoot, he tapped. Why did he tap? They're like, oh, what happened? That choke was like, he was choking them out. Like, people don't realize, a lot of people who don't do MMA or, like, judo or jujitsu or a lot of these other grappling type of styles, when someone gets on your neck like that and they're cranking, especially people with long arms like Joan, that shit, you will feel it. Like, you feel all the blood rush to you. Like, you're just like, ugh. That's how, like, he was choking them out. And um, I think John just did it good. He I watched the fight. It was a strike that gained through. And just Jones timed it perfectly. He's a high-level Greco-Roman wrestling. Like, he's done this for so long. And he just dipped underneath, level change, shot for that takedown, grabbed him up, pushed him up against the cage, and he just worked his wrestling. He, Like he said, he knew as soon as he got his hands on game, that's where he was going to feel more comfortable. I mean, yes, he's a high-level striker. We've seen it time and time again. But grappling is what really John Jones can hone because that's just something he's done for so long. Man, agreed, agreed. He won. Of course, he did the Baja thing, as referring to himself <laughs> as the GOAT. And not even just that. He uh, he already made a call-out for his next oh, yeah. fight. And his first person was there, the heavyweight GOAT, Steve Amioch. Like, How did you feel about John already calling him out? He wants to clear that division. I mean, this is John. I'm not surprised. This is what John Jones does. He'll be in that division when he was in that light heavyweight division. He said, I'm clearing. I'm determined to clear out this division. Anyone who thinks that they can come in and try and come for my belt or anyone who's been in here and wanted this belt, I want to show you why I'm the best and I am the greatest at what I do. And I'm going to clear out and I'm going to demolish everyone in this heavyweight division. And that's what he aims to do, ultimately. Surprised I didn't hear a DC call out, even though they definitely look like they squashed their beef. I mean, this uh, is it's interesting now because you know DC is like one of the top MMA like and UFC announcers, and like he does his like he's giving analysis. It's weird that I was watching one post pre fight thing, and you had four people on the table who John Jones has beat. So, (laughs) so I mean, obviously he's he's transitioned on now. I feel like it'd be a lot. Yeah, I feel it'd be a lot different if DC was still fighting. I'm I'm going to say he matured with a pause, though, because it's still John. Mm-hmm. We've all seen John before where we're like, oh, John's going to change. John's going to do good. And then boom. I also think that John's at this point in his life where he's a little bit older and he's a little bit smarter. And I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping. I don't like the look that him and his wife had in there when like she went for a kiss. And they already kissed before. And then he kind of was just like gave her a kiss on the forehead. And, he, and then she was just kind of disappointed. I don't know if you've seen that on Twitter. It was kind of funny. But I mean. Mm-hmm. 
it's just stuff that happened. I think it was just a mistiming thing. Um, people are looking too deep into it. Right. So um, what do you think this fight? People are already saying maybe three months. This is the summer fight. Like, how quick he is said, it? I mean, John said he's fine. He said he's healthy. He didn't get hurt in that fight. And he's, he said, look, I'm comfortable to fight as soon as possible. So I look forward to him trying to fight as soon as possible. John Jones is a, one of those fighters. He will fight as much as possible if he can. Um, if he has no injuries, he will continue to go out there and he will do his thing. He's not going to... Um, He's not going to go and just hibernate like some fighters do. He's going to sit there and keep pushing out fights. I hope, and this is my hope, as someone who lives in the uh, Northeast Ohio area now, mm-hmm. let's book this shit in Cleveland. Let's sell out one of these arenas and uh, okay. let's get a fight going in Northeast Ohio. Okay, okay. Let's make it happen. You brought up Khabib, and Khabib actually tweeted about Ghana saying, hey, man, you got if you want to come to our camp and learn how to wrestle, we can get you like teach you some wrestling so you could really be a true heavyweight champ. Like, how would you feel if he uh went to Khabib's camp and learned some wrestling? Yeah, um, so that was actually back in 2022. He shot that out to him, shot that uh, idea to him, and he didn't take it. And I mean, honestly, if he would have took it, it might have been a different fight, and it might have been completely different because he did what what John Jones did, what a Khabib move was, and he kind of hooked those legs. I mean. John Jones has been doing that for a while too, but he locked the legs up and he got him up against that gate and sank, sunk that choke in. And honestly, if Cyril Gann was trapped, not traveling, training uh, with Khabib and his team, he would have been able to maybe combat that and he maybe would have had some type of workaround or a way to get his legs out or maybe work and maneuver and he would have maybe put up a better fight and he would have been able to shoot or, or I mean, not shoot, sprawl and maybe defend that takedown. So who knows? Uh, I definitely think that they should have maybe potentially did something. He might still go back and do something. He might try and re-up on that offer and try and go back and uh, become better. But I don't know how serious Cyril is about this just because kind of some of the things I've heard him say before, he doesn't train until the fight is announced. He doesn't, like, he doesn't take it. I don't feel like he takes the fight game as serious. Because some people don't expect to make it to this level. Some mm-hmm. fighters are just like, I just want this paycheck. I want to get to a certain amount of money. I just want to, this is what I want to do. Oh, I made it to the UFC. I just, I made, this was my goal. I never really had an end goal of being champion or anything, but like, I don't feel like Cyril's really as determined as um, what we see in other fighters. I mean, you look at that uh, UFC embedded video, he was sitting there just playing FIFA and John Jones is like, offended because he's sitting there playing fifa instead of training for his fight i understand people are going to play video games in their downtime i do it all the time i mean most fighters do too um but it's just like this is a time where i feel like you should be training you're just like haha i'm joking around just playing video games right so no what no rest for the weary man because we don't even have a month till the next big ufc thing it's in two at the time of our recording it's about in a week we got 286 coming up, man. Like, this is quick, like we've already said. And what are we looking at at this card besides the main event? Because we're going to talk about the main event a little bit more in depth. And what else are we looking at this card, man? I'd say this is a pretty loaded card. This has a lot of new faces and some faces that have been here for a while. A lot of high-level fighters, a lot of good things to look into. Um, some of the ones you want to look at is Jennifer Meyer versus Casey O'Neill in the early prelims. I think that'll be a pretty good high-level fight. Um, you look, you see two high um, 
ranked fighters and number nine and 11 in the women's fly rate route. And that's a plus 150 to minus 175 odds right now as it looks. I don't know. Uh, Casey O'Neill is favored, but uh, Jennifer Mai has been in this game for a pretty long time. I think she's one of the high-level fighters, and she's very smart and tactical. So um, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. We'll. I, 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 that one's kind of just up in the air for me. Um, one of the other ones is Christian Leroy Duncan. Coming out of the United Kingdom, that's going to be one of his first fights. One of those names most people don't know about. So I'm just I'm not even going to go into too deep, but I'm just saying look forward to what he's going to do and uh, what he can showcase in those early prelims. Uh, moving on to the prelims, Yanal Ashmob, Maz, Jeez versus Sam Patterson. Um, there's a lot of United Kingdom fighters on this card because obviously it's in the UK. Um, it's in London. Um, been to London, beautiful place. Actually, there was a funny story. There was a fight night. The day after I left from London, it was Curtis Blades, and I forget who else. Really wish I could have went to that and saw that. But yeah, you know, Ajmal, look up, watch, watch some of his fights. Like watch some of his uh stuff. Look, look forward to him. Really high level fighter, potentially a knockout on that fight. I mean, uh, that's what I'm gonna call her here early. Um, but moving to the main card, yeah, Marvin Vittori versus Roman. Uh, never pronounce his last name. Dalidzit, Dalidzi. Mm -hmm. Um, but Marvin let's see if he can get back into this uh, win column he's coming off of a loss Uh, Roman's coming off a win I really am looking forward for Marvin to try and get back up there we have some new competition in that middleweight division for that title against Alex Perea if Alex Perea wins against Izzy even though I feel super kind of confident saying that he will. But, I mean, like I said, this is a fight game. Anyone can Mm -hmm. win on any single night. Um, But I think I'm really looking forward to what Marvin can do. That's going to be a banger of a fight. Um, Because Roman's 12-1, and so it's not a little scrub that he's fighting against. One of those two will be fighting for the title very soon. Moving up, uh, you have Gunnar Nelson versus Brian Barberina. I love I love Brian Barberina. Just mm-hmm. one of those. That's going to be that fight right there. It's going to be bloody. I'm just going to say it now. Bloody. It's just going to be a um, bunch of. Currently, which I don't know if you know this site, it's called Bet Fights Odds. It has all the odds from all the different sports books on this site. So, depending on what sports book you use, you can see who has the better odds and check that out. I'll put this link in Chuck's description episode below. But your guy, Barbea, I'm. On bet MGM is a plus two hundred eighty underdog. So like he, I like that for him though. Okay. Because he has a chin on him. Barbarina mm-hmm. has a chin. He will sit there and just take and take and take and take and take. So I really look forward to what he's going to showcase in that fight because I don't think that it's going to be as far off of a fight as people think. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people are going to think. Moving up, yeah, Joanne Wood and Luana Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, Luana, last fight I think I saw her, she had some high-level striking. Joanne Wood is no scrub either. Um, so I think that's going to be a pretty good fight. But I, I got Joanne. Unfortunately, she's at home in United Kingdom. I think she's going to show off for the fans in the hometown crowd. I think she's going to do what she needs to do to get her win and up in the rankings. And then moving up, 
this is the one I've really been wanting to talk about. Justin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin Gaethje and Raphael Fazeev. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about two great fighters. Um, Justin's coming off of a loss, but I mean, I anyone who knows MMA, anyone who's been watching for the past five years or so, you know who Justin Gaethje is. You know he's a he's a fan favorite fighter. He's going to just sit there and he's going to brawl. He will sit there and throw bombs. He's going to take hits and he's going to throw hits back. Rafael Fazeev, if you've been watching recently, dudes out of Kyrgyzstan, um, one of those other, I think Russian or Russian or is it Azer, Azer, Azerbaijan? I can never pronounce it. But um, he's one of those fighters. And you get all these fighters from all these different countries. You got to start learning all these pronunciations. But he's a fighter who pushes a tempo. So I think this is going to be an interesting fight for Gaethje. And I think it's going to be an interesting fight for um, Fazeev because Fazeev likes to push, push, push in your face, constantly going. He's going to come, come after you. He's going to grapple. He's going to throw punches. He's going to throw bombs. Gaethje is one of those fighters. He's going to stand back and he's going to just sit there and brawl. He's going to fight. So I think that's going to be a really fan favorite fight there too. Another potentially bloody fight because I know those two are going to throw down. That's going to end either in a knockout, submission, but it ain't going the full three. I know that for sure. Who do you have in that fight? Because currently, uh, Justin's the underdog. Like, who do you? And he's Justin right is the underdog, but I don't think you count him out. I think that man has a chin on him, and I think just because the Zeev is on the rise right now, and people haven't seen him against a fighter like Gaethje, I I don't know. I think Gaethje's also a high level fighter. He's fought for the title, and he's also fought against a lot of high level fighters. He has experience under his belt now, so I don't think that he is someone to count out in this fight. I think there's a lot of underdogs in this card that um, they might catch some people by surprise because a lot of people are counting them out. And then you have the main event. The champion, Leon Edwards, versus challenger, Kamar Usman. Kamar Usman, obviously, Usman took got his rematch immediately as quickly as he could because, like we've said since this whole podcast, about you could be dominating a fight a whole time, which Usman was the last fight, and then you get caught and game over. And that's what happened to him. He lost his title to Leon. Currently, Usman's the favorite, the, yeah, the favorite right now, and champ, Mr. Edwards, is the underdog. Chuck, how do you see this fight going? What are the ways Leon can shock the world again? And how are the ways Usman can get his title back? And who do you have winning this fight? It's so funny. Um... It's weird seeing Leon with the belt, not Kamara. Um, look at the records: twenty and three versus twenty and two. Mm-hmm. Very eerie similar. Look at the last fight. Yeah, one win, one loss. Um, you look at the height: the same, six mm-hmm. foot, six foot. Weight, obviously the same. Reach: you have the two inch reach advantage in favor of Kamara, and then you have the two-inch leg reach in favor of uh, Leon. It's so crazy. It's wild how these stats are literally almost identical. You think about how that last fight ended. You think about that kick. Mm -hmm. Two-inch leg reach. You think about how Kamara was beating him in the stand-up for most of the time. Two-inch arm reach. Um, 
But you think about the fight and you really look back and you think there's nothing else that's really close. You think Kamara was dominating. Leon got lucky and shocked the world. That's the thing. That's what a lot of people talk about. And that's what a lot of people say. He shocked the world. The reason, reason it was so shocking is because Kamara Usman is so fucking dominant mm-hmm. and he's so good and he was dominating that whole fight. And don't get me wrong, Leon did a high-level uh, feint and then he threw the kick, which was a great high-level fighting, but it was a mistake by Kamara. Now, if he can get Kamara to make another mistake and he can capitalize off of that, I think that's how he walks out with the win but he has to really capitalize off it because I don't see Kamara easing up and I don't see him letting him get an opportunity to win. I see him coming out here like a Jorge Masvidal fight almost again because Leon Edwards definitely showcased and proved he still can't wrestle. I mean, no offense to Leon. I mean, he had some takedown defenses in that fight, but Kamara will definitely get the takedowns. He will hold him down like he did against Jorge Masvidal, I think. He's going to ground and pound the whole fight. And it's going to be a fight where people are like, this is boring, this sucks, potentially. That's that's my thought. That's what I think might be going into this. I think Kamara is going to fight like a man on a mission to get that damn belt back. And he's going to do whatever he needs to do. And if that means grapple for 45 or 25 minutes and put him on the ground and just hold him there and ground and pound... He doesn't care if it's a fan favorite fight. He cares about getting his belt back and he cares about winning and not making a mistake to where Leon Edwards can have that belt in his hand again. Man. It's it's so tough because, like you said, he had that shock the world factor. And now Usman's got to come and raise her focus because if you lose to the same guy back to back, it's like, you really might have to go to the back of the line and work your way up again, which is crazy to say for him. But if Leon loses, he should get a rematch. So here's the thing. This is how this I think is how it plays out. It's kind of weird to say that Kamara has to go back to the back of the line and like work his way back because he's already worked his way through the line twice. Mm-hmm. Twice. He's beat everyone in there pretty much twice, if not more. He's shown why. He, that, that's the thing that's so weird about this is because he's dominant. And he should definitely still probably have that belt if it wasn't for a great, great, great moment in sports history. Mm-hmm. So that's when you start to look at, well, what's next then if he does lose? So does he go for another fight and then people are kind of like, eh, I don't think he deserves it or what? You put him up against the number one, and then you see, all right, he fought against the number one. He beats the number one. Do you put him back up for it? Or if he loses to that number one, do you keep moving him down a little bit? And then that's when you see people spiral out like you see in the welterweight division. Because when you think about it, you think about Tyron Woodley, the dominant run he had. And then you just kind of see him working his way against. He lost, and then he loses again for the belt, and then he's like, Starts going against number ones, the number twos, and he's just working his way down slowly where he's not that same fighter anymore. That's when you start getting into the mental game of fighting, and that's when you start getting into the mental aspects of this, what a loss can do to a man, what a loss can do to a lot of these fighters. So I don't really know if Kamara has that type of mental weakness, though. 
I think he's very mentally strong and a very resilient fighter. I think he has that iron sharpness, that uh, iron mic sharpness, where he's going to come back out laser focused and he's going to want that belt back. So um, I'll look forward to this fight. I'm really curious to how Kamara fights this fight because from what I've seen before, I think I know what he's going to do and he's going to grapple and he's just going to dominate and ground and pound and just hold him down and beat the shit out of him. We'll see. We'll see. And this is taking place Saturday, March 18th in London, the United Kingdom Arena Zero Two. So that's going to be a great, great card. Literally just about a week and some change away on that. Chuck, I just want to get your other thoughts on this thing because this happened before recording. And obviously you talk about all fights. We had the first loss for Mr. Paul to Mr. Fury. <laughs> I mean... So, so that finally happened. What did you think about that fight between Fury and Paul? About time someone shut that motherfucker up. I mean, <laughs> shit. You're beating up a bunch of old, retired-ass fighters that are slow, and you're like, what, 20-something? You're beating mm-hmm. up, like, 40-year-old men? And you feel good about it and you're confident, like, get the fuck out of here. You have, I mean, you fight amateur, not super high level, but better level than you boxer for once and the one time. And you clearly, like, get blown up. So, like, I mean, he had the one knockdown in the last round. I mean, I did see him potentially winning by knockout in the eighth round, if anything. But he's not, I mean, I think he showcased that he was somewhat good, but he's not uh, he's not that good. So I'm happy for Tommy. I mean, I saw that video he had where he was walking in the house with the belt and his wife or girlfriend greeted him. I thought that was cheesy, but like, <laughs> I hate hate TikTok boxing. I hate these celebrity boxing, whatever things that they do because it's ruining the sport, like the combat sports, because it's just people looking for high level paydays. And they're getting it, and they're getting the draw, and they're getting the people to watch it. But it's also just tainting the sport because it's so cringe and it's just so cheesy and so stupid. And I don't feel like you people really train like these other people do to get to this point. You're just someone who's famous and eventually just tries to train for a few months on end. And then you're like, oh, well, I think I can box because I just trained for a few months. Like these people have been training for years, and you're just taking away the opportunity and the light from them to stay in your lane. Well, you know, eventually, Paul will have another fight down the road, and everyone will be watching. So, want to get your so we'll see, we'll see. Chuck, anything else with the UFC? I mean, now with John Jones's champ, Dana White's even said there's probably never a chance that Francis Ngannou comes back because of that terrible negotiating. Like, is that done? Also, was talking shit on Twitter, and Mm -hmm. John Jones shut that shit down immediately. I don't know. I mean, I definitely don't think that that's something that Dana wants to entertain unless Francis is willing to take that pay cut. I think Dana is very prideful and we've seen that before. Um, and I don't think that Francis really cares too much if that opportunity isn't there. So I think he moves on. I think they both move on, go their separate ways. I don't see that reuniting anytime soon. I see maybe potentially a DC and John Jones, maybe if John gets on some type of rampage again where he's like, fuck you, DC, and 
started to be for no reason. But I think mm-hmm. I hope and I think that John Jones is on more mature and high level right now. So we'll see. Anything else, Chuck? That's all I got, man. Um, look out for the women's pod coming down soon. Um, and also look out for um, Carly's podcast. That I think you guys are recording this Sunday. Yep, this Sunday. I look forward to that. Uh, so by the time they wife, listen yeah. to this, it should are well. The time they listen to this, we've already would have already been recorded, and that will be out eventually. Yes, sir. So look out for that on the way soon. All right, man. With that being said, thank you everyone for listening to L7C podcast. Like Chuck said, be on the lookout for some of those podcasts. A lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Chuck also was back on stream playing some Call of Duty a couple of days ago at the time of this recording. So be on the lookout for Chuck uh, being on stream. And if you're listening to this podcast, catch him on stream. Ask him some UFC questions in his comments. Get his answers. Uh, he's always willing to answer some UFC questions on his Twitter, too. So hit up uh, Chuck on Twitter, too. Definitely hit up his YouTube if you miss any of his stuff. Watch some of his old stuff, especially his old Madden stuff, which is all-time classics in terms of streaming. Uh, With that being said, thank you, everyone, for listening to L7C Podcast. Signing out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.